Simply put, I love home. I love comfort, safety, warmth, and cozy. Can you sense an introvert? Home is not only where the heart is, but home is where the rest is. A full-time homeschooling mom, I spend the majority of my time here, as do my children. I wanted rich, biblical, and educational material in order to enhance daily learning for my littles. I wanted to enhance my prayer time and my prayer space. I wanted constant reminders of God's word, hope, and truth, not just tucked away in my journals or my Bible or bookshelf. I wanted to see it in my kitchen, on the walls in my bathroom and bedroom, in my office on my desk. I wanted to see it waking up and when I went down for the evening. I wanted my kids to see this too and soak in it daily while learning. And that is how the Mark Store was born. The Mark Store is helping gatekeepers of the home to transform their spaces to places of undisturbed rest where the Spirit of God dwells and healing and equipping abide. The Mark Store is for the godly woman, her home, and her littles. Start shopping now at www.mrkdstore.com. And don't forget, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The MRKD Store. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Hannah, a singer, speaker, writer, mentor, and certified biblical counselor. I'm also the face behind the marked brand. My calling is to speak healing, life, and the truth of Jesus Christ to wounded spirits and souls, and to create a multifaceted platform where daughters, sisters, mothers, and wives can lean toward being totally freed from the emotional wounds, mindsets, and heart sets that that bind us. The Mark brand is one that was birthed to nurture, equip, admonish, and ignite the woman of God whose aim is pure intimacy, deep emotional healing, and resolute holiness in her heart and home. The Mark brand is comprised of rich faith-based products, services, and resources for women, including the Mark Store, the She's Mark podcast, the Mark Life blog, and Marked Worship. I'm so glad that you're listening today. This is the She's Mark Podcast, and healing happens here. Today's episode might be a bit of an uncomfortable one, so I want to just make this disclosure that we are going to be touching on what is a very sensitive and tender topic we are talking about fatherless daughters. We're talking about those daughters who grew up without a father in the home, without a father figure. This message is not for women who have been harmed by their fathers in any capacity, but it is for women who do not have that father relationship. This is really talking to women who don't know a father's love. This is for you today. I have fumbled just a little bit in gathering my thoughts and and my my data and my heart for today's episode. To be completely honest, this is not a topic that I have touched on publicly much in my life. I've really only discussed it with a few very close people, a few close loved ones. And so I sit with you in the discomfort that may arise out of today's episode, but I also sit with you in the hope and the healing 
and the restoration that awaits you if you have not already experienced that. And if you too have experienced that restoration the way that I have, I sit with you in rejoicing for that. And for those of you who haven't, I'm here to encourage you and hopefully you'll gather some hope from today's episode. So I want to talk to fatherless daughters and the title of today's episode is Fatherless No More. As I tried to really gather how I wanted to touch and tackle this topic. I obviously, I mean, all you have to do really is is get on Google and search statistics on the effects, the impact on fatherless children and fatherless homes. And it's very clear that fatherlessness is an epidemic here in our country. It is no hidden fact that the role that fathers, the role that men play in the lives of their children and in their homes is so weighty and profound. Fathers, men are the leaders of the home. They were designed to be the leaders of the home. They were designed to carry an authority, um, a protection, a nurturing. Fathers were created to impart identity, security, protection, spiritual covering, physical covering. And when we think about the role of a father, especially in the lives of his little girl, he is her first love. He is her frame of reference in relationships and in dealing with men and and, and men as friends and men as romantic interests. He creates such a solid sense of identity for her and affirmation and validation and worth. And so when you begin to think about the tenderness and the fragility of a little girl needing that security, that cannot come from a mother. It, it, is, it comes, it's derived from her daddy. When you think about that being fractured, you can imagine the impacts that that can have on a little girl. Obviously, with raising boys, a, a man is his role model. He's the image of, of the little boy and, and what a man is to be. But when I think about girls, and obviously this podcast is for women, and I'm obviously a woman, the impact that a father has on a girl, I mean, it's it's so profound. It's so significant. And so um, I guess I'll start by sharing a little bit of my story. I was raised in a single parent household. My father and mother divorced when I was an infant. And so my mother raised my siblings and I alone. And I thank God for her strength. I thank God for the example that she set before me as a woman of prayer. I thank God um, for the many sacrifices that I saw my mom make in order to provide for my siblings and I. I saw the struggle that my mother had, obviously, to raise her children and to try to do that to the best of her ability alone. Um, I saw her stay there through fires thick and thin and fulfill her responsibility, not only as a mother, but as a guardian, as everything that she was to be and everything that she was never meant to be. So I'm so grateful for my mom. She sheltered me much. She provided for me much. And she did her best to protect me and shield me from a lot of things that she had to walk through. 
And so I'm just, I'm very grateful for the role that she played in my life. So I met my dad for the first time when I was 12 years old. And it was a very surprising and shocking encounter because I wasn't expecting it. I don't even know that he was expecting it, but he showed up at my home unannounced, unexpectedly when I was 12 years old. And that was the scariest, craziest, weirdest day of my life. I was very nervous to meet him. I was actually shaking. Um, Now, prior to actually meeting him, we had corresponded just a few times by mail. I actually remember writing my father a few times. And so I also remember another memory, actually something that just happened maybe a couple years ago. Uh, My mom moved out of my childhood home. And so I had to gather a lot of my belongings that were still there through my adulthood. And as I came home and I was going through like old papers and things from when I was a kid, I saw a letter that was from Orlando, Florida, where my father lived. And so the letter had been written to me from my dad from, I don't remember, it was obviously sometime in the 90s, I was a little girl. And so as I read through the letter, I I noticed something that was very interesting. Anytime that he would refer to me like with a, a pet name or something of that sort, I drew a line through it with a pen. So I did this as as a little girl. I forgot that I had done this, but I remembered a couple years ago when I opened up this letter and I was reading it. And anytime he said, you know, sweetheart or anything like that, I would cross it off. And so for that moment, I stopped and tried to remember, okay, when did I do this? And what was going through my mind? What was going through young Hannah's mind as she read that? And so I had to really think deeply. And I remember vaguely, but I remember actually reading that letter in that moment in my home as a little girl. And I had many, many, many tears that fell as I read that letter because it just didn't make sense to me. How could you tell me to keep doing good in school and and all these things and you're not here? How am I your sweetheart when there's nothing that supports that. There's nothing that backs that. So it created a lot of conflicting feelings and probably a lot more resentment in that moment. Um, I just couldn't believe or I couldn't accept what he was saying as truth. And so fast forward now, I met him when I was 12 and that was, you know, it was nerve wracking and it was, it was a flood of conflicting emotions all at once. It was like anger, but then it was like, hopefulness. And then it was like, oh man, I get to have a daddy now. And then it was like, well, wait, I'm no, I'm mad at you. And then it was like, well, who are you? You know, there was a lot going on. There was a lot to process in that moment. And so he stayed in touch for maybe a couple months. And then for whatever reason, the communication ceased. And so fast forward 10 years, I saw my father again for the second time. And this was at his funeral. I was 22 years old. By this time, I had met my siblings on my father's side. I had met them actually a couple years before he passed. And it was my paternal brother who had called to really update me on my father's health. And then he ultimately contacted me to let me know that my father had passed away in 2007. And um, I remember when he called me, I was sleeping. He called me around four in the morning. And he told me the news that my dad was gone. And I remember falling to the floor 
And I think that might have been the first time that I felt like I was having like a nervous breakdown. Either way, it was just it was a really, really emotional meltdown that I was having. And so what was happening for me in that moment was I was realizing the the finality of this thing somewhere within those 10 years between age 12 and 22, I had hoped even though I felt anger, I also felt love. And I had hoped that my father and I would get to have a relationship one day. I hoped to know that he loved me, that he was interested in me, that he wanted to be a part of my life and that, you know, this thing would blow over somehow. I had hoped to be able to tell him how I felt and the pain and anger that I carried just all the possibilities had just closed in an instant. And so everything that I was feeling, I now had to process that alone. That was my first real lesson. I guess the the years following that was my first real lesson with learning how to forgive someone who never said sorry or could never take accountability for what they've done. That experience processed me in such a dramatic way way. And I'm grateful for that experience now. But it was very, very devastating as a 22-year-old young woman. What was more scary and devastating was the decision that I made to attend his funeral. There were so many things that came up for me as I prepared to drive down to Orlando. I was living in Virginia at the time. And, um, I was I was literally shaking. I was physically shaking because I felt like such an outsider and I didn't know what my father's side of the family felt about me, what they thought about me. I didn't know what the narrative and the story was. And so I felt nervous, but then I also felt like, you know, I need something. I, I need I didn't have anything. I need to at least just see him. I need this closure. Through much fear, I packed my bags and I drove 11 hours down to Florida to attend a funeral of a stranger that was somehow so close, but so distant. It was extremely like I even now just talking about it, I feel tight in my chest. Um, I'm feeling what I felt as a 22 year old woman. It was so conflicting. And that's I feel like that's not even giving the the emotions and sensations that I was feeling. It's not even doing it justice. It was so conflicting to look at someone with so much hope. And I'm I'm referring to my dad uh, as I saw him there at his funeral, um, looking at them with so much like desire for love and then just so much confusion and so much hurt at the fact that this was, this was my life story. This was not going to happen. And so, um, there was a beauty that came out of that time. It was very hard for me to go up and see my father and, and look at him and just try to process things alone. But I ended up meeting a lot of my relatives that I had no idea existed. Um, I remember as I pulled into the parking lot for the funeral, um, I, I, I struggled. If I wanted to like not even get out the car, I would, I just wanted to say, okay, I came, I saw the funeral home. I know he's inside. I can get back on the road and go back home. But I went in and it took a lot of effort for me to do that. And so uh, I ended up meeting some uncles. It was very hard because they looked just like my dad. And uh, I got to meet my grandmare 
So I say that I failed to mention that my father was Haitian. And so his mother, my grandmare, my grandmother, I got to meet her beautiful woman. She ended up passing away a few years later. But when she saw me, she began to wail loudly and she just kept saying my name. I, I couldn't talk to her because she she didn't speak English. And so she just kept holding my face and she just wept. It was like a child who had come home. I felt like the prodigal daughter, if you will. And I was stunned. I was stunned because she knew me. I didn't know her. So I started saying, wait a minute, I'm not a secret. You know, they know me. And not only do they know me, but they're embracing me so warmly. This is confusing. <laughs> this is completely confusing. And so I got to meet uncles and, and other relatives. I got to meet my grammar. Um, I learned a lot about my family history. And so one other shocking thing that I learned on that visit was that my father, from what his brothers say, he had, had one brother that he was very close with. He said, your father loved you. He said, there's a lot that you don't know. There's a lot uh, that was happening. He said, but he always talked about you. He had some of your letters and he loved you. And so, as you can imagine, that that sent me over the edge again because I didn't see the evidence of that. Um, and so, out of that relationship, I... I forged a beautiful relationship with my uncle, my my father's young, one of his younger brothers. And to this day, that uncle has stepped into my life and um, he has stepped in into the gap. And I was I have a wonderful relationship with him. And I'm so very grateful and just blown away at how God mended that part of me. And um, brought about tremendous healing, brought about a tremendous uh, neutralizing to the intensity and the sting that I felt from my father. And so today I want to talk to fatherless daughters, if I can offer any type of hope. Maybe you're not at the place where the sting has neutralized. Maybe that sting still feels very raw. Maybe your father is still alive and he's still very much absent. God knows all things. He really, really does. And there's no way to really explain the things that we face in this life. And sometimes I find that when you are determined to try to find answers to things that we just simply don't have answers to, it can create a tremendous frustration. It can create a deep sense of despair, and it can make you feel crazy. And that is a place that I once was, you know, that can really, really mess with your mental. And I understand, I understand that. I want to quickly read a quote from David Blankenhorn, who is an author. He wrote Fatherless America in 1995. And he said, and I quote, the United States is becoming an increasingly fatherless society. A generation ago, an American child could reasonably expect to grow up with his father. Today, an American child can reasonably expect not to. So ladies, if your father was absent or he was uninvolved, or maybe he was an inadequate father, you are not alone. When I was checking some of the numbers for fatherlessness in the United States, fatherless children, the numbers are in the millions. There are a ton of children who are growing up without 
their fathers. I saw a quote that was really, really interesting, and it said, my dad broke my heart way before any boy had the chance to. And then I saw another quote that said, with God, you will always be daddy's little girl. I remember when I was a little girl, my mom would always say to me, you may not have a physical father, but God in heaven is your father. And I remember because I yearned so deeply to have a dad and I, I got this idea in my head that God was my heavenly father. I think that even as a young girl that forged such a sense of dependency on God and affinity and affection for God being my heavenly father, everything that I wanted to pour onto my father in terms of loving my daddy and being a daddy's girl. I began to get this image in my head of God being my father, God being my daddy. Now, did that completely take away the longing that I had for my earthly father? No, it, it didn't. But I'm thankful for what it did birth in terms of how I began to look at God. And so I say that in part to say this is that something good can come out of this story. You not having had your father in your life as a young girl, as an adolescent, as a young woman, and even now currently, if your father is still alive, that is not your story. That is not who you are. That is a part of your story, but it is not who you are. Those statistics don't necessarily have to apply to you. I thank God by his mercy, there were a lot of statistics that I didn't fall victim to. And then on the other hand, there were a lot of ways that not having a father there impacted my life. There are ways to this day that it plays a role and impacts my marriage because I am recreating something that I didn't see. You know, I have, um, I don't know, I think I've mentioned it here on the, the podcast before, but I am a girl mom. I have three beautiful daughters. And I remember as a little girl, Another thing my mom would always say to me and something that I took to heart very deeply, she always said, give your girls a good father, give them a good father. And obviously she didn't mean it in the sense that I can make anyone be anything, but my mom was encouraging me and admonishing me to be very careful, to be very mindful, to be very prayerful about who I decided to be with romantically. And it's only by God's grace that my husband is present. And can I just tell you, my dear listener, there has been tremendous healing that has come forward by me seeing everything that I missed as a little girl. When I see my husband interact with my daughters, when I see my husband pull up in front of the house and my girls go crazy and they're jumping around and they're like, daddy, 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 it fills my heart to overflowing when I see them hanging off of their father and trying to do their hair and get pretty and say, daddy, how do I look? When I see them caring for their dad, when I listen to conversations that they have with their dad, it has been such a sense of deep healing. Every now and again, it creates a longing like, wow, this is what it would have been like. But I have so much joy when I get to see that they are whole in ways that I was broken. It makes me feel so good, and I thank God so much for that. Psalm 68, verse 5 says, A father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, 
the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Romans 8.15 says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Maybe a relationship with your earthly father is not possible. But with your heavenly father, your true father, your father who formed you in your mother's womb, your father who knew you before he even created the earth, you have the spirit of adoption available through him. You don't have to be under the spirit of bondage. For many years, I lived under the spirit of rejection and bondage because of the outcome and the situation, how the chips landed with my earthly relationship with a father. For many years, I struggled with why my father wasn't in the picture. Why did this have to be my story? And God brought about tremendous, tremendous healing. At the end of 2018, when I um, had a supernatural encounter, I still have yet to share that testimony. But as I drew closer to the Lord and I was truly, truly born again and, and just had a change of trajectory in my life in 2018 in this encounter, one of the things that had to happen before this encounter was forgiveness. And so I had to search deep in my heart and forgive anyone whom I had not really forgiven or whom I had just struggled with. And of the names that had come up in that prayer to God that night in December of 2018, my father was one of the first on the list. I had thought that I had forgiven him prior, but there were some traces and some remnants. And so with my whole heart, I cried out to God, and even though I didn't know how I would make sense of it, I said, I forgive my dad. I forgive him. I realize now a few things looking back, and I'm going to give you a few things that I think might be helpful as you journey forward. Number one, there could be, there may be a correlation between your view of your physical father and your view of your heavenly father. Maybe you may struggle in your walk with the Lord because the way that you view a father is skewed. It has been tainted by the things that your earthly father has or has not done, his actions or his inactions. I want to remind you that the two could not be more separate. As you heard in those scriptures earlier, God is a father of the fatherless. He is a God who keeps covenant. That is how he differs from our earthly fathers who can be filled with so many different flaws. I even speak to those of us who have had fathers in the home. Um, sometimes it, it doesn't mean that because your father was present in the home that he set a good example. It doesn't mean that your home wasn't filled with dysfunction. We see that our father in heaven, he's different. He is faithful. He keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him. And that's not to say that he doesn't love sinners. He loves his people. We know in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. God loves all, but he's faithful and keeps his covenant with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. So the first thing I want to encourage you to do is talk it out. Write a letter, record yourself if you need to, get your feelings and your thoughts out. 
I strongly encourage you and suggest that you speak to a godly therapist or counselor, maybe a pastor. I remember uh, around the time that my father passed, I don't know, it could have been a year later or within the year after his death. I was just trying to process so much. It was just, it was such a blow to me. And I remember I made the longest video and I spoke as though I was speaking directly to my father. All the things that I had wanted to say all 22 years of my life prior to his death, all the things that I had imagined I would say to him as a woman. There were some parts of that video that were not so nice or kind. I wanted to get those things off of my chest once and for all. So maybe in your process, you make a video or you write a letter, you get those things off of your chest. Speak to, again, I highlight a godly therapist or counselor, a pastor, a minister, a spiritual parent, someone that you can really share and be vulnerable with what you're feeling. Be open. The Bible says if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It also says confess your faults one to another. There's something so strengthening and purifying that comes when we can be open and transparent about what it is that we're truly feeling on the inside. So talk it out is the first thing that I would recommend to you. Number two, a shift in view. And how you get to this place is it's nuanced, it's different for every single person, but the end goal here is that you are going to have to remember that your father was human. And if he's still alive, your father is human. He is struggling with his own inner life, his weaknesses and his flaws. This doesn't in any way excuse his responsibility as a dad. We see in scripture what the Lord had to say about those who do not take care of their households. He had very, very strong words for any man that did not take care of his household. We also see in scripture that God had a tenderness and an affection for the fatherless, for the orphans, for the widows. He's a protector for those. We see that this is a group. We are a group, fatherless children, fatherless daughters. We are a group that God has his eye on. He mentions us specifically in his word. He has made provisions for us. So I ask you to begin setting your mind on seeing your father for who he is. You know, parents hold such a critical role in their children's lives. And naturally, because your parents play such a vital role, it can be easy to put them on a pedestal and see them in an elevated way. And I think in a, in a healthy way, that is good because it helps to contribute to the honor that we're commanded to give our parents. They are special people. They hold a special role in our lives. But when that can become toxic is when we put our parents on a pedestal. We put them sort of in a, a capacity of being an idol. And I'm not just talking about daughters who had no fathers. I'm talking about even daughters who have fathers. They honor them, but it can be easy to elevate them to a place that really they shouldn't be elevated to. And so in this elevation, in this toxic sort of elevation, we can begin to expect perfection from our parents. We can expect them to be our end all, meet all, to never fail us, to never fall short. 
And if they do, uh, we become crumbled and cracked. I was crumbled and cracked for many years because I expected daddy, my father, oh, my daddy, to be a daddy. And when he wasn't, it was understandably and justifiably shattering. But I didn't give myself, because I didn't know how to as a young person, I didn't give myself the space to realize that my father was not superhuman. He was very much human. I had to realize that also with my mother. And maybe you have to realize that with your parents. The word of God says, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. It didn't say if they forsake me. It, it might not be them necessarily leaving you physically, physically abandoning you, but it could be an emotional abandonment. It could be a letdown, a significant disappointment. I had to begin seeing my father through the lens of a human being. I had to take the blood out of it. I had to remove the bloodline and see that my father, too, was a struggling human. The very real reality that my father was susceptible to sin and error. I had to become very much aware that, yes, my father had a choice to make. But there were also circumstances that I knew nothing of. Not saying those circumstances made his choice to be absent right. But the reality is, is that he too was human. So what I, I would encourage you to begin taking out the bloodline, remove that piece and view your father through the lens of a human being who is capable of error, who also needs God's mercy, who also needs God's grace. Again, I'm not speaking. Today's episode is not for women who have been harmed and abused, whether sexually, emotionally, spiritually, or in any capacity by their fathers. There is a lot more nuance to those particular cases but I'm talking to women with similar stories such as mine. Not that it makes it any less painful to begin seeing your father as a human who was very capable of error. The last thing that I would encourage you to do to begin your journey toward healing, if it's not something that you have been able to move toward yet, Begin contemplating forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't justify what your father did or did not do, and it doesn't say that it's okay. But when I was freed in 2018, when the Lord delivered me and set me free, the pinnacle of that freedom was forgiveness. And it had nothing to do with letting my father off the hook. It had everything to do with freeing my heart, freeing my heart towards God, tenderizing my heart toward God. It, it put a protective barrier around me. I was vulnerably open emotionally toward the wounds. Those wounds were open and the enemy would continually pour salt in those wounds. And those wounds would pour out into other parts of my life that in essence didn't even have anything to do with my father. And it was a subtle, it was very subtle. It wasn't, like I said, you know, I didn't, 
my life wasn't riddled with a lot of the statistics that you see for fatherless children. I, I wasn't a, a teen mom. I didn't drop out of high school. I didn't struggle with substance abuse. Uh, but it showed up in other ways, whether it was rage, whether it was relationship issues. It showed up a lot in timidity, in isolation, and depression, in fear, and in, in identity struggles, confidence, academics, so many different things. And so forgiveness positions you. It's a positioning. It positions you to be healed. It positions you to receive from God. It isn't even about the person, but it begins to position you. So I encourage you to take those three steps. Talk it out. Have that shift in view and how you see your father and what he has done and, and the nature of the relationship between you and your father. And three, aim toward forgiveness. Ladies, be encouraged on this Father's Day. Remember your heavenly father who loves you. Remember that you have been called to adoption. Remember that when you have been forsaken by your father, the Lord will take you up. He is faithful. He keeps his covenant and his steadfast love. Be encouraged. You are going to make it. You are fatherless no more. Until next time. That's it for today, but the journey continues. Visit She'sMark.com for more episodes, to make a donation, or to check out the Marked Life blog. If you found value in today's episode, please subscribe, tell a friend, and consider leaving a review. Remember, the Word tells us that many are called, but few are chosen. As you go through this week, remember to walk as children of light.